Thanks for tuning into the Cork Creative Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to promote creative people and businesses in Cork. To learn more about the podcast, visit corkcreative.ie. Flux Learning is a company fueled by caffeine. We take our coffee seriously. So for our fourth series, we took the opportunity to broaden our knowledge and learn some insights into the coffee roasting industry in Cork City and County. Today we are joined by Badger and Jojo's Brock Lewin in his aromatic roastery outlet on Barrack Street. Brock developed baristing skills and learned the art of coffee roasting in Melbourne before moving to establish Badger and Jojo in 2008 on his wife's parents' farm in Fermoy. Badger and Jojo were one of the first speciality roasters in Ireland. They only source and roast current crop seasonal coffee graded at 85 points or more out of 100. So sit back, relax and enjoy a fresh brew as we discuss the origin of the company from picking a name to establishing their brand identity, flavour profiles and business ethos. We discuss getting the basics right, their focus on quality and Brock's belief that it's best to let the coffee do the talking. So you're very welcome to Cork Creative, Brock. Thanks, Geraldine. So Badger and Dojo is a unique name. Can you tell us a little about how the name and brand came about? Yeah, sure. I started up in 2008, moved back here from Melbourne. I was struggling for a name for a little bit and I found out that the father-in-law's nickname was Dodo when he was a young boy. Um, his brother couldn't say Dave properly, he says Dodo. And he's known around the area as Dodo. Okay. Uh, and my own name, Brock, is Irish for Badger. And seeing we were building the, setting up the roastery on his property, I thought a little bit of a tip of the hat to him to say thanks. Mm. Uh, little did he know that uh, it was going to end up uh, <laughs> on the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's such a cool and a strong name, isn't it? Like. Yeah, I think the double barrel word, yeah. you know, name. So I didn't. It's not something I realised or thought of. It's, I just went with our gut. What sounded good, you know. Yeah. Uh, there were there were other names sort of floating around, but they were all a bit clinical. So yeah. A bit of fun as well. A bit of mystery. A bit of intrigue. It it worked. Seems to have worked. Uh, does it? Do you think it reflects your personality? Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, we often joke about badgering people, and uh, you know, the and Dodo himself was a chicken farmer, so there's a bit of a connection there oh, yeah. as well. Okay, you know? yeah. Very good, very good. And how did you get involved in coffee roasting? I was in Dublin from 2000 to 2003, and the coffee scene was really non-existent. Um, and I'd already worked as a barista before that in the 90s to get me through uni, kind of thing, mm. and. So then when I went back to Melbourne from 2003 to 2008, you know, I was quite involved in the coffee scene, living and working off Chapel Street in Pran. And I was managing a pub there that was on Chapel Street and had big bifold doors that opened up and you had to have a coffee scene to, you had to be in the trade in order to keep your daytime trades, mm. you know. So we were uh, quite involved in coffee and then I left the pub and I managed a cafe or two and, and I, I knew I was coming back here. I met my Irish wife and I was going to either roast or open a cafe. I wasn't sure if the coffee scene had developed here. Mm-hmm. So I learned to roast in Melbourne and did courses and did one-on-one roasting with a guy called Bruno Malo from Sea for Coffee in Melbourne. And then the rest was just history really, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So it was kind of like... 
you were kind of at the start of the wave, really, weren't you, of the whole phenomenon that has uh, kind of yeah. become coffee in here in Ireland, anyway? Yeah, so we are what you call speciality coffee mm-hmm. roasters. Speciality is a term that gets thrown around a lot, but it's coffee that has been Q graded at 80 points or more out mm-hmm. of 100. A Q grader is like a sommelier is to wine, a Q grader is okay. to coffee. Two of Ireland's first two Q graders worked for me in the years gone. And so we've always been very passionate about speciality. Uh, Stephen Morrissey, Ireland's only world barista champion, happened to win the World Barista Championships just as I came and set up mm. in Ireland in 2008. And so the, that, was re- that was really the start of the speciality scene mm-hmm. in Ireland. It, you know, it developed a lot more after that, obviously, and quicker. There was one or two other roasters around at the time, uh, micro-roasters, let's say. But uh, I've, I've always been a champion of speciality coffee, mm. Mm. yeah. And does it annoy you when, you know, people maybe brand themselves a speciality when they're not really? Oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a bit past that now, <laughs> you know, and, and you do see people, you know, give their coffee scores and you're just like, well, you know. <laughs> who scored that? Yeah, who scored that, you know. <laughs> I'm great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, I have no Q graders on team at the moment, mm. but Jacob, my GM, has and, and myself um, and, and Pa, my roaster, we're our cuppers and between us we've got something like 25 years of yeah. coffee experience so uh, and, and we always cup pretty well we always cup a blind cup but we always seem to fall around the same outcome ourselves you okay know? okay so i think over time and practice yeah you you do develop the palate it just takes developing a palate in coffee definitely takes time yeah and practice and how did you develop your brand identity well, my wife, Claire, enters the scene here. Uh, she went to NCAD in Dublin, National College of Art and Design in Dublin. I was a barman in Dublin from 2000 to 2003. She was a student and she just had the uh, the knack, you know, the, the look, the feel. She does all our graphic design. And now we have had uh, advice and sort of standardization from experts along the way, but she's always been the full drive and, and core of that. I, uh, <laughs> I had a very masculine kind of look and she rightly sort of plucked that and said, no, that won't do. And so, you know, us being quite opposite, she, she, she brought the RT sort of yeah. edge to it and, I guess like any brand identity, it, it evolves over the years. And, yeah, I think she's she's done well there. You know? good, a good partnership, so. Yeah. Mm. And she continues to do, like, the new drip boxes we've put out mm. there are just, uh, I think they're fantastic, yeah, you yeah. know. So, yeah, yeah, so good partnership, yeah, Very in good many respects. Yeah. And how and where do you source your beans? <laughs> so we call it, I called ourselves a, a boutique coffee roaster at the start because I wanted to give the idea that we sell a lot of one-off coffees, like a woman's boutique might, mm-hmm. and so one-off clothing, you know. So, of course, this has been ba- abbreviated to Badger and Dodo. So we really source anywhere that we find is great at that particular point. It's seasonally fresh. We're never old crop always 85 plus it's mm-hmm. a mantra we've um, picked up and you'll see it in our marketing mm. 85 plus so it's always all definitely speciality coffee in our mainstay offerings for espresso in 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 the cafes we supply around the country we've got brazil fazenda recreo and i went there in 2018 uh visit the farm and we import directly from brazil there 
Uh, actually, we had a container come in the other day. So it comes directly from Port of Santos okay. into Port of Cork, which is a great thing for Ireland, for mm. freshness, for reduced carbon emissions. Uh, it allows us a better price so we get a better quality coffee. Leo Varadka came to the roastery few years ago and it was that Brexit was happening and Theresa May was still at the helm and I think I said I said to him Brexit bring what Brexit may we're no longer using the UK (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a nice little cash cry for the moment yeah but it is it's great for uh, local economy as well um, so Brazil is the main origin for Zander Recreo mm-hmm. specifically we have put on the map. Then like well, I'm always a big fan of Ethiopian coffees. Mm. I've always stocked a washed yogurt chafri from day one. That was my go-to speciality. And then it's really whatever the current crop is and, and it can be East Africans or Central Americans. We don't really do much Asian um, we just found them too full-bodied, okay. too earthy for speciality palate. Okay, okay. So, like, just the climate, like, what's happening with, say, climate change? Does that impact on your decision making now, going forward, or it does? Um, certainly, in regards to say, like, supply, there was issues there with Colombia last year. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to move away from Colombian. Now we do bring that in for special customers who are on the Colombian, but the Colombian in particular has become very expensive. Mm. In, in regards to considerations, the coffee market suffered a huge price increase there about three years ago. Mm. This is a global thing with coffee. Yeah. Uh, there were major frosts in Brazil, unseasonal frosts that drove the price up for coffee and everyone was affected. Mm. Uh, and I think when price is affected, we're all... You know, you, yeah. you can't help but be affected. Supply and demand is always going to be there. I suppose there's always going to be an issue if there is a, an issue with the source. It's not going to affect the, the end customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it, yeah. And it's, I suppose, probably trying to come up with contingency plans just to try and deal with that. If Or do you have to do, is it kind of like spur of the moment kind of thing? Yeah, you do have contingency plans, you know, like for instance, our black water blend, uh, the Colombian was a component in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we might reduce the amount of Colombian that's involved and increase the, the Guatemalan or Peru. Okay. The subtle changes to the blend that most people wouldn't be able to detect at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And managing a blend is part of what a roaster does. You're yeah. never going to have 100% consistency because i mean nature it's a crop of nature i suppose that's just part of you know like variety is you know it's it's just part and parcel of the product if you want something that's the consistent 100 percent all the time buy something in a jar that you can get yeah exactly (laughs) you you just can't control nature you know you can't control the sun and the rain yeah okay okay and how would you describe the flavor profile of your coffee and individual coffee varieties Blackwater blend is our most well-known blend. We, we are medium roasts, I guess, is what you would say, um, for our espresso blends. And then typically for something which would be a seasonal coffee, we would go more towards medium, medium light, um, because we know that it's going to be brewed at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, a feature of speciality is trying to enshrine or captivate acidity in mm-hmm. a coffee. I believe acidity brings flavor to the fore. Unlike your, say, your, your first or second wave coffees, like your traditional Spanish, Portuguese, French coffees would be darker roasted. 
and people are looking for that real coffee hit. Mm. Uh, they might have 20 or 40% robusta be darker roasted. You would need to put sugar with that. Mm-hmm. That would be a completely separate cup profile to what speciality roasters you okay. know, would go for. So our black water blend is very pleasing across most spectrums. Our Brazilian would have a little bit more acidity than most people would expect within a cup of Brazilian. You, would, you might expect, say, nutty, uh, chocolatey flavours in our in your Brazilian. We would have that, but we might also have a bit of an uplift through, say, some orange acidity, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, or maybe slight lemon. In a refined cup mm-hmm. situation, you'd pick that up. Um, whereas now then our jam jar in 2016, I had great fun. I went to Portland, Oregon, uh, hired myself a convertible Mustang and drove down the west coast of uh, wow. America researching cafes and cut profiles. But, of course, you know, that part, um, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, where Starbucks was founded, you know, is, is a huge coffee mecca, mm. uh, one of them in the world. And uh, I, I came across natural Ethiopians there, which we had been using at the time natural ethiopians a lot of people think that it's 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 a coffee that's left out to dry and ferment in the sun very funky stewed fruit kind of profile and when we first started selling it people were sending it back saying it's off you know it's rotten there's something wrong with this the market clearly wasn't ready for it but what i discovered there in portland was that if you blend it down then it can give really good sweetness Mm -hmm. to a blend so our jam jar imbibes that you know and fairy floss is another one's mixed with the natural process and a washed process a washed process will really enshine acidity like a fragrant orange uh, bergamot jasmine and you mix that with strawberryness of a of a funky uh, natural Ethiopian. It's a beautiful combination. Okay. You're obviously very passionate about coffee and it's obviously still a learning journey as such. You're still learning. You're still going on your trips and finding out new things about coffee as such. It's always going to be Yes. You know, one thing I learned about coffee in Australia is that it is a dynamic industry, that it is always changing. Now, sometimes there's reinvention for the sake of it, like the deconstructed cappuccino. I don't think I'll ever want to serve that up in my coffee where you you get the espresso and then you get the milk and you get the foam and you build your own. That's one fate I won't try, but it is important to keep exploring and, mm. and having fun. You know, like our drip bags that we've just brought out, I, you know, I think they're a great thing before that. I brought out a Discover coffee series um, where you might taste the same coffee processed, say, three different ways okay. or three coffees from the same farm or the same farm with three different coffee varietals all processed the same way. So you're trying to get people to understand coffee in different ways. It's a bit complex for the average person. And a lot of these projects that we call, they don't really make financial sense. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely lost money on some of them, but it's something to do. And yeah. it's just another way to keep researching or developing or being involved in the industry because otherwise it's just too much like work. Yeah. <laughs> keep the interest going. And such, oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. you yeah. never know. You find something, you discover something along the way or... Yeah, I'm looking forward. We've got Origin trip lined up next year to Guatemala, which will happen around about February, and we're going over there to visit a supplier of ours. Actually, container just came in the other day from Guatemala, and this is a very long time 
broker that we've been dealing with. Her father owns some processing mills in Guatemala. It's third wave coffee sauce. Hi, Nadine. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're looking forward to going over there. And she's been fabulous with us over the years. And I've seen her develop from quite a small stage. And she mm. came out to the roastery and had a look around. And, yeah, it's great to follow people through the industry mm. over the years. You know, even the famed Colin Harmon do mm. a 3FE and see him swim to dizzying heights and old customers of mine like Cloud Picker or Roasted Brown or Bean and Dingle or Red Strand, Coffee Culture, you know, there's a lot of these guys who are my own customers and see them go out on their own and do mm. well is great. I think I was interviewed in a radio session years ago when I was trading the farmer's market at the Point Village. I used to drive up to Dublin for the Point Village Gosh, market. yeah. And they got hold of me and I went in for an interview. I said, yeah, there's loads of room for more roasters, you know, and uh, the industry's just opening. And, you know, within a year I'd lost half a dozen customers yeah. <laughs> of roasting. But, uh, yeah, more the merrier. Careful what you wish for, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But no, it's all good. I, you know, I don't want to grow for the sake of growth. I just want to do what I do, do it well and enjoy the business, look after our wholesale customers. You know, I'm not pushed on growing for the sake of it. I don't want to grow the company too much. It just gets out of control. Mm. At the moment, one of my goals is, you know, we're developing our technical support department. So, you know, we've got Simone, he's... Uh, Born of a coffee roaster, his brother's a coffee roaster. He's gone the machine route, and uh, he's he's just expert in machinery. And look, it's beans, machines, baristas. You know, other than that, the only other thing is is water. Mm-hmm. So, and we address every component. But it's amazing how often machinery has lets people down by mm-hmm. like changing your blades, your burrs, and your grinder, not keeping your water filter up to date. Um, even just proper cleaning of the machine. So, you know, Simo and with the help of Oshin, another uh, guy we've got training up in the department, we're rolling out preventative maintenance programs to make sure that our customers are keeping on top of their machinery because mm. it is so important as well. I suppose the, the basics are, it's, it's quite simple, as you say there, about the beans, the machine, uh, the washer, you know, they're the, the basics and you have to have them right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Look, when I came here, no one was doing flat whites mm-hmm. and it was so hard to try to train people up on flat whites. You know, training is so important. Mm. It's important that they can do the milk right, that they, you know, I don't really care about latte art. So long as the mm. shot is dialed in, so long as the milk is at the right temperature and the right foaming consistency, you know, getting those training essentials across is is of vital importance. There's nothing worse than an owner who puts in charge a manager but doesn't keep their staff up to date. Yeah. And, and, and then a new manager comes along and they don't bother checking them for their coffee skills. And that can happen in places where coffee isn't that important. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we supply a gastro pub, you know. But that's not endemic to Ireland. That was certainly a thing in Australia mm-hmm. as well. You know, I worked in a, a restaurant and I was always on the coffee machine. It was great when I was working, but then other people would jump on and, yeah, you know, you've got to keep up your skills. That yeah, way, you know? okay. So you, you mentioned there that there are many co- coffee roasting companies out there. How would you describe the market? Is it collaborative? I think it's definitely getting to saturation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it used to be such that... I, I would know the other roasters and, you know, we could chat to each other and, and I still do. I have a great relationship with some roasters. Um, 
but I guess you know now there's well over a hundred roasters in Ireland. It's it's getting a little bit competitive, mm-hmm. and we have account managers you know who are designated staff who are trained in coffee to work in particular areas. Just one in Dublin, one in one in Leinster, one in Munster. Connacht. And, you know, when they go out to visit our customers and see how they are, they will find bags from other roasters who have been in there to try to poach the accounts or mm. try to win the accounts and all is fair in love and war. But it never really used to be that way, mm. you know. And I'd certainly have respect now, say, for like other roasters in town, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, we don't need to go looking for new accounts. I do understand if you're a new roaster and you're trying to make your way, you need to do that. So I think it's, I'd say it's collaborative amongst the older guard or the older yeah. guys, but maybe these new punks are uh, <laughs> <laughs> upsetting their status quo. Yeah. Go for it, you know. Like yeah. as I say, you know, you, you, you look after your customers yeah. and you do a good job and you just do business and do it the best you can and, you know, I think your reputation stands above all. Given the marketplace, how did you define yourself when you first started out? Was it that, you know, building up a good reputation, as you just said? Yeah, 100%. It was all about just just doing a good product and being able to provide everything that your customer needs. So, you know, we've developed a range of peripherals, sell the machinery, sell the new grinders, stay abreast of new machinery as it comes out. Yeah, it was always 100% about just good name and reputation and trying to develop it that way. Word Mm -hmm. of mouth is all I ever. I didn't actually advertise ever until the pandemic came. Mm. And we were like, well, what are we going to do here? You know, our wholesale customers can't open. And then all of a sudden we we saw online taking off a bit and we just redeveloped our website. It was very good timing. So our online sales just went crazy. Mm. And then we realized that with a little bit more marketing, it would work even more. And then I kind of been swayed a little bit about marketing. It's not so much about selling hard and saying you're the best and buy our stuff, but it's also a little bit about letting people know that you're there. Mm. And like, I'm, I, don't, I really don't want to push ourselves in front of anyone's face, you know, or, or down their throats. But it was funny years later, you know, and you find that people still don't know about you. Patrick, oh, you're in Fomoy? I live in Fomoy. I never knew you were there. Where are you? And, and that conversation would happen, you know, yeah. despite that we do farmer's markets and yeah. things around town. We've got two cafes in town. There's always new generations of people coming through. So you do have to tell the story a little mm. bit. You can't just survive on word of mouth alone, I yeah. think, you know. Well, I suppose as you say, it's not probably about the hard sell. Um, it's just letting people know that you're there and letting the product speak for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have trends like cold brews affected your approach to roasting? Yeah, not as such really, because the demand for cold brew really isn't there at the moment. In North America, it's a major, major project that they undertake every year. Even places like Wendy's Donuts will sell cold brew. Mm. Uh, we tried it a few years ago and we were bottling it and we were throwing half of it out. But this year it has taken off a bit more. But there's a difference between cold brew and iced lattes and iced Americanos. Mm. Iced, latte, iced lattes and iced Americanos can be made in the espresso machine. Cold brew has to be infused um, through a special process. Uh, and then it's a concentrate, which you then water down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the flat white of cold coffees. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's just not the demand there for it as such. 
but it's so yummy. <laughs> yeah. Says yeah. so the one who's just after gulping her one day. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, like you, you can still though play with the variables yeah. in coffee mm-hmm. um, to use it in cold brew to make it work. And that's one of the good things about cold brew is, is that you can, or about coffee in general is, is there's so many variables. Uh, you can make some of them consistent and play with the others. Like grind size, contact time, water temperature, brewing device, agitation. You know, so you you can modify these to find something that suits your palate. Mm-hmm. And and we've all got different palates. You know, I I used to really like natural coffees um, when they first came out. I thought they were fantastic. Now I'm very tired of them. And then anaerobic came out. That's uh, it's been quite a fashion for a couple of years. And there's some great ones. And then there's some there that are just done for the sake of it. And I'd be like, my God, I, that just does not even taste like coffee. So yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's lots of variables in coffee. And that's, that's one of the one of the exciting things I find about it. Some trends are good, I suppose. It's like everything. Some trends are good and some trends not so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think as well, it's important to keep your own mind open because what you like may change as well. Mm-hmm. For instance, when I'm drinking whiskey, I, I loved a peated whiskey when I first started getting into mm-hmm. whiskey. Now I can't stand it. Yeah. I've got to have a really crisp, grassy something pot stilled, you know, to, yeah. you know, and the same with your wines and your beers. And um, would your palate overall have changed for all those kind of things? Do you think your palate has become more, I suppose, fine-tuned because of the, the nature of the work that you do? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've been going 15 years now, and I'd say 12 years ago, I was still looking for a full-bodied um, and we used to do uh, Sumatra Gagarang. It was, it was really famous with us, a real orangey, chocolatey orange. Mm. And it, it sold so well. But my palate changed um, and started picking up a lot of the, the light acidity-based jasmine, bergamot, mm. orange coffees. And, uh, and to me, speciality coffee really does well, did at least back then was really about understanding acidity and coffee mm-hmm. and understanding the difference between that and bitterness. And so as a result, I got rid of the Sumatra and Gagarang, mm-hmm. even though it was a really good seller for yeah. us. It was a hard decision to do that. And I know we disappointed a lot of our fans, mm-hmm. but we had to take them on that journey. I felt, mm-hmm. you know, that I had some sort of a certain responsibility mm-hmm. to really try to portray this worldwide movement of appreciation of lighter roasted coffees you know do you think the decision has paid off oh uh, yeah sure <laughs> I, I i know no other outcome but uh, yeah. yeah we do fine and uh, i'm quite proud of the way that the company has grown and yeah it is it's it's good when you do get customers who do appreciate you know when you bring out a new coffee mm. and you look at how much it sells or you take a bit of a gamble on something a bit more expensive and the customers pick it up and yeah that is that's not as rewarding when that happens okay. you know okay do you find your sales are affected by seasonal factors? Like, for example, has the recent good weather impacted you and do customers favor lighter flavor profiles in the summer? Yeah, this is the way I always used to um, try to portray it anyway. We do a winter blend, mm-hmm. a, a Christmas blend, and that will always be a lot more full-bodied. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we would tend to go that way uh, and we would look for more 
Christmassy sort of notes in it. Mm-hmm. But then again, we just brought out a coffee, Las Brumas, uh, for Father's Day mm. because it was very unusual coffee. It's got notes of leather and cinnamon and tobacco mm. because we thought that that would be sort of your traditional dad mm. profile. Uh, might be a modern dad's profile, but uh, we had to go for some sort of a profile. That's yeah. what we chose. But yeah, you're, you're looking for... Um, a lighter summer base, like you drink a cider in the summer, you drink mm. a stout in the winter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. If you had to have to pick your favorite coffee, what would it be? Oh, it's Ethiopian. Yeah, a washed Ethiopian, a hundred percent. I've always, always stocked it right from day one. You know, it was one of the first coffees, if not the first coffee I put into the roaster, into the roaster I had then. I always love it, and to me. I mean, speciality coffee is, you know, is, is really very diverse. Mm-hmm. But if there's any one coffee for me that defines speciality coffee, that would be it. Okay. okay. Yeah. And you also run a, a coffee academy and have your own blog. Is this as a result of the surge in interest in coffee over the last few years? Uh, no. Yes, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, the academy was something that we wanted to set up here. So um, we had a place for our wholesale customers to come and train up. Often uh, new wholesale customers we bring on board, uh, they're new. Mm-hmm. They're setting up a new cafe and you know they don't have the facilities set up ready to go. Uh, so we bring them in here and we train up their staff here beforehand. We have the online courses as well. The blog... Um, I th- I think I was told I had to have it to get uh, website, uh, <laughs> but you know, like the blog has worked out well because yeah, I was reading an interesting thing there about um, Last Kingdom, and there's this really interesting how they're learning to to write mm-hmm. and how they're recording the way buildings. So much knowledge has been lost over time, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and we realised that we were taking on these so-called projects. You know, when, when we put the reverse osmosis water system in here to Barrack Street Cafe two or three years ago, you know, water was really in in what we thought at that stage was really peak in the industry and how mm. important water is to coffee. Mm. So it's a reverse osmosis system, and it remineralizes for the ideal water to extract coffee into water. So you know. But that's heavy knowledge mm. and it's not the sort of knowledge I want in my head all the time, yeah. you know. So that's where the blog comes in very handy, you know, to put that information out there. Mm. I think it's also good from a historical perspective yeah. as well to go back and see, oh, look what I was doing back then. Yeah. You know? And it has built up over time. I don't know how up-to-date it is at the moment. It's been a while since I read my own blog. But, uh, yeah, I know it rolls on. Yeah, know? I think it's a good idea just to get – people to even to get a feel for you and you know it's a good way to represent yourself i think and represent the company yeah personal opinion because i like looking at blogs like that Uh, right yeah 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 so now i must get on to that (laughs) (laughs) giving you a job to do homework to do there's always that (laughs) and the u.s comedian dennis leary derided the shift away from coffee flavored coffee in the sets is adding a syrup or flavoring to your coffee akin to adding a mixer to a top shelf whiskey? Yeah, I, you know, comments, guys like that are obviously saying more about themselves, aren't they? Yeah. Really, that they are not able to appreciate the finer things in life. Mm. Yeah, a bit of a sledgehammer comment, but uh, yeah, we have never, ever sold syrups. There was always mm. a market there for us to sell them. People always want them. 
We have never sold them. We don't have them in our own outlets. It's about the coffee. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's about the coffee. Ballymaloo Literary Food Festival, we, 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 we get on great with Ballymaloo. I've always been a big fan of Darina Allen. The shop out there was one of the first to stock our retail coffee and we share the Saturday market with them at Middleton. And uh, so we did the Ballymaloo Literary Food Festival years ago and we bought this Kenyan paid through the roof for it, you know. Mm. And, you know, we set up uh, our friends at Marco, loaned us a, a lovely piece of brewing equipment and we went out there and set it up and we brewed this coffee and we gave it away to people. And, oh, it broke my heart, the people asking for milk and sugar in this. I says, no, sorry, <laughs> no milk, no sugar. It's free, take it or leave yeah, it kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, and it was all about, you know, can you taste the blackberry? And, yeah, it's a bit of an education, but that's what that Litter Food Festival yeah. was about, mm, you know. Mm. Was, so, um, yeah, we're very thankful for the festivals and markets that are they're a very important part yeah. of any small business coming to the fore. Now, it can be very hard and for a lot of companies it's just turned into a marketing or money-making exercise, but I believe the, the markets are really where you go to try your product, to bring it to the market, to get up and going. And and I did this originally at Fomoy Market mm. uh, under Dave Ryan there who has the Amber service station in Fomoy. And uh, Dave was a big part in me getting up and going Um you know, I was roasting my coffee, taking it to that farmer's market and testing and trialing it. And, and you know, I had my brewing skills, but it was all about, you know, just trying to fine-tune my roasting, you mm. know. Um, and, and I know there are other roasters like Reg Strand down in um, Clonakilty, you know, he, he's – Shane takes his coffee to the market there mm. uh, and, and even our friends around the corner here at um, – Molly. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Cafe Molly around the corner mm. here. And, uh, you know, Daniel's done a great job there of roasting in cafe and serving up different types of coffee mm. that way. Fabulous like that, you mm. know. Mm. So, but festivals and markets, yeah. When, when, you, when you don't have your own little uh, cafe to serve it out in, yeah. yeah. It's a good way to start, isn't a good base to kind of it see if, if this is going to turn into a successful, viable business. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, even we're still doing it to, to this day. Mm. We're, we've got a pop-up there in photo at Wildlife Park and uh, this cold brew that we're drinking, we're mm. going to bottle that up, put it in there as a ready-to-go grab-off-the-shelf mm. thing because the ice machine out there can only... <laughs> Do so many ice. What a great idea for all the parents. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Go play. Let me drink my my, my cold brew. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good. And it's it's cold on in this weather. It's fantastic. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Very good. Very yeah. good. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Brock, on the podcast today. Um, if you want to learn more about Badger and Dojo and their fantastic coffee, you can find more on corkcreative.ie. Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you for the opportunity.